Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. We are the Fantasy Joes. I'm Ryan Livergood. Joining me this evening, as always, from North Carolina, we've got Trey Barrett. How's it going? How's it going, America? <laughs> Welcome into the show. America and Canada and France and several other countries. Right, Will Greenwood, what's going on from the Twin Cities? <laughs> uh, it's great here in the Twin Cities, especially knowing Ryan can only name four countries. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how. I'm out. No, don't ask <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> no it's great it's like 60s now it's good the the trees are turning we're doing classic midwest things i, I did a cabin weekend oh I, i'm sure you guys want to all hear about my personal life so buckle up let's see here we go <laughs> well maybe not let's talk about football and let's get right into it this is a tweet from anthony staggs at pyro stag on twitter currently six nfl running backs are on pace to break the single season reception record for an rb so CMC is on pace for 160 receptions. Chris Thompson, 152. Saquon Barkley, 128. Melvin Gordon, 120. Alvin Kamara, 120. And Theo Riddick, 112. So guys are, well, one of these guys, some of these guys, or all of these guys break the record this year. We're, we're seeing this renaissance, especially a lot of these guys are these satellite backs, you know? So what, what's, what, what's the state of the NFL now with the running back position? and all these running backs that are catching these passes. I can lead off here. So Saquon Barkley is the satellite back. We'll probably break it. <laughs> okay. A couple of studs on there, but, um, but, uh, you know, but, but you know what I mean? Like, like theoretic Chris Thompson, they're the two that stick out on that list. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying not to overreact to this, this early season stat and, and the pace that, you know, it's two games to what these guys are on, but I do truly believe that the NFL is changing and the way plays are call, called and the way running backs are used that I would, I, I said I would not be all that surprised if five, if five of these these guys uh, were able to break or come close to that record. I don't see a reason to why they wouldn't be. Uh, I know Saquon had a you know is a, yeah, a weird amount of catches in the last game, but he's a great receiver, and that offense is going to need to get the ball out quickly. You know, Chris Thompson plays on Washington, where you don't really know what's going to go on with that offense, and he's a favorite target of Alex Smith. Why wouldn't it happen? So I try to convince myself out of each person, and the only person I really got to his theoretic because I just don't see it in that passing offense, him, him doing it. What do, you, what do you think, Trey? Yeah, I think that there's a good possibility that two, maybe three of these guys do it. I think probably the favorite for me is the guy that's, that's leading currently, and that's CMC. He's just such an integral part of that offense. And uh, other than Chris Thompson, which, I mean, the likelihood that Chris Thompson plays 16 games is zero. So I think that CMC at 160 is, you know, 32 above everybody other than Chris Thompson. So I think you're going to see CMC likely break that record. Probably the one that's the biggest surprise to me, maybe the two are Saquon Barkley and Melvin Gordon, uh, because those are guys who I anticipate will probably have somewhere in the vicinity of 1,200 plus rushing yards as well. The, the, the likelihood that anyone else on this list breaks 1,000 rushing yards is also very, very small. So what's really, really intriguing to me is these guys, you know, Barkley and Gordon, who not only are, are you know, catching all kind of balls out of the backfield, but they're also putting up pretty impressive rushing numbers. Maybe not the yardage so far, but that's going to come. So I do think things are changing. I do think you have to be careful not to overreact after two weeks. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, 
but um, CMC would be my favorite to break this record. Now, I love Saquon Barkley, but I think that's kind of hot, Trey, after seeing the Giants for two weeks, 1,200 yards. I mean, I think he's going to have a big year here. He's, I think he's number the fifth running back in PPR because of his receptions. But, like, that Giants offensive line, he's certainly going to break some runs. But say, I think Saquon's going to have a lot of days. You know, he put up 11 for 28 on the ground against Dallas. And I don't know. I, I think he's, he's going to probably make more hay this year through the passing game versus running. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it stinks because if you saw that game on, on Sunday Night Football, you saw how good Barkley is, but you saw his supporting cast. You know, he's playing with, with Eli Manning and that horrible offensive line. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame because he, he's going to be very, very good. It, we just may have to wait for, for yeah, a few years to see him really explode in this league. So. And so you guys don't see Alvin Kamara breaking this. You have had a wide receiver two emerge in, uh, there in New Orleans – and Alvin Kamara is one heck of a receiver. So that's why I kind of kept him in that list is I, I know his targets, it, you know, it, it's not like huge here compared to the other guys, but I, I don't really see them changing that much. No, I, I mean, it's, it's possible. I, I mean, I could see, I didn't really talk about how many guys I see breaking it. I, I mean, I could see half the guys on the list for sure. It, but uh, well, you said it best when we started talking about it. It's, it's a two week sample size. It just makes for a fun uh, conversation to start the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he certainly can. And, and, um, if not this year, we're going to see more and more guys, you know, you know, you know, put up these kinds of numbers, break these types of records. So, but but guys, let's, let's move on to the next segment. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to call this segment. If I could turn back time. And I want to know what you learned in the off season. Now, maybe it's too early to draw clear conclusions to, like moves you made in the offseason, mistakes you made. But I think you can learn a few things after a couple of weeks or, or just reflecting even even beyond what you've seen on the field. Mistakes maybe you've made in the offseason. So what lessons did you learn um, from the offseason these first two weeks of the season? What are you going to apply to the future? What are the takeaways? You know, are there any offseason trades you regret and why? So that's what I want to talk about tonight. Um, and I'm not sure who wants to lead off. Um, did, Trey, you're you're first on the show sheet. Do you want to go? Um, no, he's no, he's like he's going to pa- he wants to pass the mic to Will Greenwood. So, Will, yeah. why don't you lead us off? The biggest lesson that I'm learning is I think we're going to have to start to get more comfortable with running back by committees, and you're going to have to be able to pick your guy in that in that backfield because your bell cow running back. We kind of knew this before is is basically a dying breed, but I, I maybe I haven't felt it any more than this year. And you're going to be able to have to diagnose and get the guy that you want in a backfield and trust to start them week over week. And that's, that's just one thing. Like, you, like again, I, I spoke earlier on the, the Patreon episode talking about moving David Johnson, you know, for like a J.H.I. and a Mike, Michael Thomas type of deal. There's other pieces. But to me, it's, I think we're entering a, a part where teams realize you can't just have one bell cow running back and then nobody behind them. And it's going to be a mix to keep that tempo up, to keep people fresh, to keep them running hard. And something that you need to be comfortable with in the future is choosing a guy in a running back by committee backfield and going with them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I mean, if you, you look at it um, and, and maybe another thing to apply to this lesson is that those few Todd Gurley's of the world that have the lion's share of the backfield, they're such a precious commodity. Um, we were talking in the Patreon show about redraft leagues and how uh, Trey and I both have a couple teams where we went heavy running back early we were able to get guys like Juju and Golden Tate in the third, fourth rounds. And still have these solid, you know, high-performing wide receivers. 
Um, but it's harder to get those running backs. So those bell count running backs are going to be super valuable in dynasty leagues. I think, uh, Trey, what, any, any thoughts to, to Will's, um, observation here about the, this, the, the this running back by committee phenomenon we're seeing. Yeah, I do. I, th- I mean, I think that it appears to be kind of the new normal. There are more and more teams that, you know, if you look back three or four years ago, and the number of teams that were giving a big, big chunk of their carries and targets to one running back compared to what it is now, um, I bet that the number would be smaller. And so I, I do think, you know, we talked about this in the Patreon show as well. Like it increases the value, like you said, Ryan, of those guys like Todd Gurley. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell, and he's out, so it's James Conner. I mean, James Conner, you know, week one, got 100% of the touches in the team's backfield. I mean, he was a bell cow, James Conner, which in probably most redrafts league wasn't even being rostered. So I think that it increases the value of those bell cow running backs. And so it's, you know, we'll see how things pan out the rest of the year. Maybe some of these, you know, uh, some of these backfields, Detroit comes to mind. I think Baltimore comes to mind. Denver comes to mind. Seattle. You know, we may, we may be seeing a different tune in six weeks. In six weeks, you know, there may be a guy in a couple of those backfields that asserts himself and starts to take on more, more bell cow usage. So may, maybe it's just that they haven't ultimately decided who that guy's going to be. But, yeah, you definitely have to realize anymore that as far as the running back position, you, you should be prepared to uh, – have your guy split in time with someone else in that backfield. You got to be watered, ready to react. If things are going really well for one guy, be, be ready to, to grab that hot hand. One of my lessons that I learned that I want to talk about guys that, that kind of ties into this whole running back by committee thing, not exactly, is this. In your dynasty leagues, strongly consider investing in the handcuffs for your stud running backs, especially if you're studying running back is in a situation where historically when they miss time, the next man up also puts up running back numbers. Could I be talking about Le'Veon Bell? Um, you know, I, I did not in my, dyna- my, my two dynasty leagues where I have uh, Le'Veon Bell, I did not have James Conner when he decided to hold out. And, and, and I'm paying for that now. And, and it, it, the thought occurred to me to go get him, but I was kind of thinking, I don't really believe in James Conner. I think he's just going to be a roster clogger in those leagues. You know, I, you know, I, I think when, sometimes when you have a handcuff that's not playing, it's like I look at it and it's like, oh, this guy's just taking up space you know, my roster for a guy that might really emerge, but especially in that situation, I should have, I should have even have had to overpay. And plus I don't want to overpay for a handcuff, but obviously in hindsight, it's 2020, but it would have been the smart play to do. So I think you strongly should consider that. And in a lot of my dynasty leagues, I do have the handcuff, but not in all of them. So I think it's something that I'm starting to revisit now because it, it wouldn't have cost much to get James Conner. Um, what, two months ago, three months ago, what would I've had to pay for him? Maybe like a second rounder. Uh, maybe 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 less I don't know and now you know there's just no way and uh, so that's that's what I think what do you what do you guys what do you guys think of that do you, do you guys tend to handcuff all of your stud running backs in all your leagues or does it just depend on roster size what's your philosophy on that maybe it's common sense but I don't know like I get, maybe I've listened to too much you know redraft talk and guys like JJ Zacharyson who I respect that are like why bother going after these handcuffs you know it's kind of a waste but, but, but dynasty's different so well, I'll propose, I'll propose this because it kind of ties in, Ryan, to one of the lessons that I've learned. And th- that lesson is that you can't overvalue depth in, in a dynasty league. And, and I think the offseason, it's really hard to look at guys like Gio Bernard, 
to look at guys like, for instance, James Conner or whoever is your back cuff, your, your handcuff, your backup, running like back that. to your studs. Your, your back cuff. Like your that. back cuff, yeah. So I don't, I'm having trouble with the English language tonight, gentlemen. So I, I don't, you know, it, it, maybe, maybe, maybe part of that depth for you is the handcuff for your stud running back. Or maybe it's uh, another – maybe you've got David Johnson. He doesn't have a clear handcuff, but you see that Le'Veon Bell, potential holdout risk, and you go acquire James Conner, right? So maybe it's acquiring some high-level handcuffs. But I think that just the value of depth – because, I I mean, I have dynasty teams that are really strong contenders that it already looked like I potentially lost Aaron Rodgers. I am without Le'Veon Bell. I'm without Joe Mixon now for two weeks. I'm not sure if Jay Ajayi is going to start. So you're looking at four guys. I'm talking about one team. That's four guys that literally could be, you know, top 12 of their position um, as far as where I'm expecting them to produce. And now I don't have them available. So, you know, the studs and duds approach, I think, you know, maybe you can escape a startup going that route. But, but I think that having, you know, let's say you start nine, let's say you have nine starters and you have a 20-man roster. I want my players 15 through 20 to be better than anyone else's players 15 through 20. Like I want to have the best starting lineup, but if I can't have the best starting lineup, I'd rather have a top five starting lineup and have the best bench because the likelihood is that come week five, six, seven, or eight, that I'm going to be starting three or four of those guys. Not let's not even not even bye weeks included. There's a good possibility I'm going to be starting three or four of those guys that I consider to be bench players, and halfway into the regular five six weeks into the regular season, they're starters because of injuries. So I think not valuing depth enough. The teams right now that I have regrets on the way I manage them in the off season are the teams that are strong, they're contenders, but I literally have very poor depth. Yeah, I, I love that thought, and that's the way I tend to build my teams as I focus on on on, um, on having depth. And yeah, like the one team, one of the teams, one of my dynasty teams where I don't have Bell. I also Devonta Freeman's injured. Uh, I don't have Tevin Coleman. Alshon Jeffrey's been out, so it's like, and I don't have a lot of depth on that team. So I'm I'm rolling out, you know, guys like I think I played a uh, Jordan Wilkins week one for example, and somehow I escaped with a win, but you know it wasn't. It was it was a lot of luck, not a lot of skill. So, Will, what do you think of that? Do you do you tend to build your teams with a lot of depth? Will I, I I do try to grab the handcuffs. I think the Tevin Coleman Devonta Freeman one is a little bit different of a story. It's it's like trying to say you're grabbing the handcuff for a Patriots running back too, because Tevin Coleman is a very expensive handcuff, and if you're in a, in a playoff contention and you can move him for a piece that you know you think could win you a championship, that's a very easy move to do. And then you have the Running back is, I don't know, it's its hard to say. I do think grabbing cuffs for sure is important, but what if you had uh, like like Fat Rob this year? You know, now he just went in the IR. He's kind of a cuff going into the season. Now this guy's not worth anything, and they sign Adrian Peterson. Uh, there's, you, you got to kind of pick your, your handcuffs wisely. So like with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, I mean, Austin Eckler is kind of a handcuff, but not, I, do you really see him? If Melvin Gordon were like tears ACL tomorrow, would Austin Eckler take over the lion's share of that backfield? Or would they no. figure out who to put in? You know, you'd get to where like a Brandon Oliver or something else in there. So right. maybe, maybe you know, Eckler's a, not a handcuff, but somebody you go for separate on a different team to build your running back depth opposite of the, being this, that stud guy. If you have a direct backup like Chase Edmonds and, and David Johnson, I mean, they may, <laughs> I mean, maybe a poor example for their offense this year, but that's one where you could see a one-for-one replacement at least, and that's worth getting. And, you know, this kind of both of the first points we've talked about are, are – 
it, it's talking about depth too. When um, when Jordan McNamara was on the show, you know, check out his book Analytics of Dynasty for sale. Um, he he talked about in the late rounds, like fourth, fifth round, drafting those running backs. Like the, it's very rare that a wide receiver you take late is is going to pan out for you in the fourth, fifth round, but a running back might. And if you listen to him and you took a guy like Philip Lindsay, you're pretty happy about that. Even if you don't believe in Philip Lindsay, you got a piece you can move. You know, he, he's a tradable asset and he was a you know guy you could have gotten in the fifth round. And I, I would argue most, most dynasty leagues. So uh, Matt, let's move on. Guys. Matt Breed is a really great example too. Sorry. Just the, yeah, the no, idea of, of grabbing those the, when there's, when they're super cheap and you have a deeper roster, it's worth it. Like maybe drop that, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling and keep that cuff, you know, cause, cause you don't know what's going to happen on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Will, what's, what's another, well, let, let's go through and mention a couple other points here. So you, you got a, you got another, another lesson you learned or a trade you regret uh, even from, from the off season. Uh, the other one, it's not, it's not, it's definitely less analytical. It's just, it's just I need to stop getting emotionally involved with undrafted uh, free agents coming out of the rookie draft. Uh, Akram Wadley and Ryan Nall broke my heart this year. And most undrafted free agents, you know, they don't pan out the way you think they're going to. They're fun to stash on taxi squads, but I think I'm just going to spend less time after the NFL draft really looking into those guys because, I mean, we talked about Philip Lindsay briefly on the show, and, and I had some notes about him, but, you know, until you finally see something happening in the preseason, I, I'm just going to spend less time on, on analyzing them. Like spend your time wisely, I guess, when you're when you're thinking about undrafted rookie free agents. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, you know, pay attention and know who the names are, but you're, you're right. You know, uh, a lot of times those guys don't amount to anything. Like when yeah. Trey mentioned Mike Boone making the Vikings roster, I was like, oh, I got notes on Mike Boone. I was going to ask, <laughs> you know, I was going to ask Nick Whalen about him, but the, I, you know, the, like I spent you know whatever a half hour collecting those to ask Nick about them, and it didn't come to anything. And honestly, like, what do you, you know, after the draft, what are you supposed to do? Like, you need to spend your time wisely when you're researching things. Yeah. But know about the guys. Like, like you know, I, I've, I've mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned on the show or not, but episode 29 of the Fancy Joes. And there was an episode that Will had notes about Philip Lindsay that, that, that unfortunately, we cut that part. But we talked, to, we talked about Philip Lindsay and his pro day and how good he looked. So not, not that, and, and other shows did too. Other Dynasty shows did too. So if you know those names and you, and you take, those guys late in your rookie drafts that that can't pay off. And, but, but you're right. The odds are low. Just know the names, know who the guys are and pay attention to what they're doing in the preseason and, and act accordingly. Can I, can I hear a pet, like a little bit of a pet peeve real quick? Sure. Uh, there was a, t- a take recently that somebody's worried about Philip Lindsay playing outside of Denver at, at the next game that they're going to play. Like he's going to somehow perform less well <laughs> when he's away from, from Denver. Cause he's a Denver kid. You know, he went to Colorado, went to Boulder and things like that. And uh, that, that, if anything, you ha- your lungs are so much better because you grow up at an altitude. Uh, if, I, I, just, I can't wait to watch him crush it outside of Denver because he gets so much more oxygen into his blood and is, is also still a great athlete and good at football. That's right. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but he's going to be Superman. That's all the Olympic teams. They go to train in, in the high altitude in Denver, right? I, I, I was in business and I was in uh, when I, old job. I was in Logan, Utah, and I went for a run in Logan at the high altitude guy from the midwest that grew up at the you know elevation of, of zero and i was so gassed after that run i mean it's unbelievable so yeah you're right he's gonna be superman on the road so um anyway trey what, well, i, I, I still that? think home road matters just because he grew up in denver i guess is my my end point about that <laughs> no that's a good point it's a great observation trey what um what say you about falling in love with guys these, these undrafted free agents 
Well, you guys know that I subscribe to the belief that draft capital matters. We've talked about that. And so it's the very reason that I just don't put a lot of stock. You know, for me, if I own Philip Lindsay right now in a league, I'm looking to move him. I just don't think that the staying power is there. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not saying that he's not produced or will continue to produce. But I just think his long-term staying power is just not there. I mean, Tariq Cohen's a great example of that, right? I mean, Tariq Cohen, I think, had slipped into the top six rounds of Dynasty startup ADP last season when he was kind of busting out. And this year now, you know, there was a coaching change, but there's always that risk, right? I mean, so I, I just think that draft capital matters so much, especially the running back position. There's always going to be outliers. And some of these guys that make it in the league have been outliers their entire football career. You know, these guys that are 5'6", 5'7", 170, 180 pounds with a BMI of 27. You know, they're, they're kind of outliers to begin with. But I think that ultimately – you should stick to yours or whoever it is that you subscribe to. You know, I think sometimes we're, we're too often we change our opinion on players because of what we see. I mean, John Ross is a great example of that, right? Everybody was, I mean, he was a laughing stock. Like most people didn't want him on their team. And, and then the guy comes out and is starting to look promising. You know, Tyler Boyd, right? He just had a hundred yards receiving for the Bengals. I don't know why I'm talking about the Bengals right now, but you know, these are guys that were kind of forgotten. We have such a, a poor, memory. Um, I think in Dynasty, it's good in some ways to have a short-term memory, but as far as player valuation, we shouldn't give up on players so easily. And at the same time, players that burst on the scene, I think sometimes we get caught a little bit by not capitalizing and selling them when we have an opportunity. We hold on to them because they're producing and think they're going to just continue to produce. So I, I think you just have to stick to your evaluations and capitalize on opportunities when they present themselves to, to sell or buy. My, my, my last one that I want to talk about, it's, it's a simple line and it will take some fleshing out, I think, but I, I put down on the show sheet, trust your process over your diversification strategy. And that's only for those of us that, that, are, that believe in diversification. Because my philosophy when it comes to my dynasty leagues is that I don't want to have too many shares in, in, in one player and I don't want to have um, you know, like maybe if I don't believe in a guy, but, but let's say people I really respect that are, that really like this guy, like, you know, if, uh, Ryan McDowell, Nick Whalen, if you guys really like a guy and, and I'm like, eh, I don't know, I still might want to have a share of them because we know we're not always right about players. I, I, I'm the Zay Jones truther from last year. And, uh, although we had a, a couple of plays on week two, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I've already written them off. So, but that being said, during the process, um, if, if you look at a guy and, and you know, okay, you know, this guy, like looking at his intangibles, like historically what guys have done, if, you know, he doesn't have the college production, he has small hands, um, like, like maybe you, you want to avoid him even if he has high draft capital. And my example here is Ronald Jones because I have a couple of shares of Ronald Jones. And it, I know the jury's still out on him, and maybe he's a good buy-low candidate. He could still turn out to be something. But everything was telling me, when I was looking at all these rookie running backs that Ronald Jones was a guy to avoid, you know, mainly because of, of the hands and you know, he didn't catch a lot of passes in college. He just didn't, but, but I bought into him in a couple of leagues and I regret that. I, I missed on some players that I really did believe in just because I wanted to diversify. So I think what I learned is I, I, I'm going to, even if it means I got a couple extra shares of like a DJ Moore um, than, than I wanted to have, that's okay. Cause you always trade those guys anyway. So just, 
trust your process, trust your evaluation process, trust your gut. And you don't always have to get a guy because you feel like, well, I don't have any shares and there's a lot of hype. Um, in, mo in most time, most cases this year, it worked out for me. Like, uh, I hate to pick on Jarek McKinnon because Jarek McKinnon could be an RB one right now. Had he not had that freak injury. Um, but, but, you know, he's a guy that I, I, I traded, um, uh, you know, half my shares in because I just, I just didn't believe in him. Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of avoided drafting Royce Freeman who could turn into be this stud. I mean, it's early. And so these things are kind of like, you know, but, but, but my point is at least with Ronald Jones, I feel like I should trust my process. I didn't. So what do you guys think of that? Do you guys have a, I know you both of you guys have a process, certain characteristics you look at with, with guys. And I don't think you share the same philosophy I do with diver diversification. Maybe I'm wrong, but Trey, I think you like, you have your guys and you go after them. And if you have a hundred shares of Antonio Callaway across your leagues, you're fine with that, right? Well, yes, yes. Certainly with guys, Antonio Callaway is a great example of a guy that I'm content. I, I'm happy to have him on every single dynasty league because he costs minimal. And if he, you know, if, if he doesn't pan out, he doesn't cripple my teams. But a guy like Joe Mixon, for I believed in Joe Mixon last offseason, and I acquired a lot of him. I mean, I had Joe Mixon in a lot of dynasty leagues. And so this past offseason, right, there's a ton of hype. His startup AD or yeah, his startup ADP was creeping up to like the beginning of the third round. I mean, he he was going at a level where, you know, it was kind of like he was gonna have to have a breakout season just to justify where he was going. So then I began to get concerned and I thought, well, what if Joe Mixon isn't this top 10 NFL running back that we think he could be? What if there's something to him sliding to the second round of the NFL draft, right? But, so some of those questions started to creep my head and the opportunity presented itself in several leagues for me to do a little diversifying. And, you know, now like with Joe Mixon being out for two weeks with injury, I think, man, that's six teams probably of my contending teams that would be without one of my two or three best running backs. So I think sometimes for the higher level guys, um, you know, like if I own Todd Gurley across many, many leagues, I'd love that because I have the number one running back in the NFL, right? But I'd be looking to diversify. I'd be looking to to move Todd Gurley and, and get a Melvin Gordon plus or a Kareem Hunt plus uh, or a Joe Mixon plus and, and just try to minimize the, the you know, harshness if, if Todd Gurley were to, you know, be out this coming week with an ACL and, and be gone for the season. So I, I think in some ways I, I still – prefer to, di to diversify. Um, and, and then in others, you know, I, I also regret, you know, sticking to your guys. I have a league in this off season where someone that had a lot of Carson Wentz and as an Eagles fan came to me and made me an offer to get Patrick Mahomes and send me Carson Wentz. And I was on record last year as saying when Carson Wentz was being raised as a number one dynasty, and this isn't a victory lap. This is just, this was just my thought. I thought, man, we're a little early anointing this guy as the number one dynasty quarterback. Like, he had a great year, make no mistake about it. But then Foles took over and, and looked remarkable. So it's like, man, how good really is Carson Wentz? But I accepted the trade because it was a good opportunity. I regret it now, but I felt like I was winning that trade. And so I feel like sometimes you have to be willing to um, not win a trade to hold on to your guy. Yeah, I, those, are, those are great thoughts. Those are really great thoughts. Will? diversification yeah i'd also wait till week five until you get a really good opinion of what you feel about mahomes i cannot wait for that jaguars i hope that's just like everybody's full speed and full gas and let's see a great matchup for what Mahomes can do uh, with andrew reed's offense because 
the Eagles coaching staff is what won them that Super Bowl. It wasn't, I mean, Nick Foles was there to throw the ball, you know, and, and they, they had some creative things, but I don't think that that's attributed to, to what he could do. And, and Wentz was an outlier in a lot of different ways. So I don't think you should be too sad about that, that kind of trade. Uh, the one thing, so you guys remember, I was such a big Leonard Fournette fan. I think I have Leonard Fournette in like two dynasty leagues now because you look at his history and it's sad. It, it literally breaks my heart, but Leonard Fournette gets hurt. And that team is going to ride him to the ground when they can. And he changed that offense almost for the worst sometimes, it seems like. And I still love Leonard Fournette and what he is. But I definitely, in this offseason, took the opportunity when a lot of other areas and, and podcasts and websites, you know, have Leonard Fournette higher and higher and higher to make the move away from him. You know, maybe you add a piece and get somebody else that, you, that you're higher on. Or you know, like that, I, I think I moved maybe a Leonard Fournette and like another Michael Thomas deal or something like that, where, you're, where you are diversifying in a way that you need to accept that somebody's higher risk than what you initially anticipated or basically wanted. Like, uh, you know, I, I convinced myself that Leonard Fournette would never be hurt in the NFL when it came to the rookie draft season. And turns out he, he was fallible. And now moving forward, uh, I'm very happy about that. Now, if he plays every single game from here on out for the rest of his career, I will be sad about it. And it's a little bit too early to tell, but it's also, you know, as we talked the other week, it's a scary prospect. Don't be, I guess with me, it's like, don't be so arrogant about your dynasty teams that you think, you know, how, player's career is going to traject over the next five years be be diversified a little bit and get some guys maybe you're not super high on but other other people who have done more analysis than you are high on just to make sure that you're i don't know it, you you want that you know you're not going to be right every time you never will be one of the, this is kind of just an aside but one of the things i love about diversification too is that it allows you to own multiple players and Trey, you came into the season with the strategy like on a Sunday. You're not necessarily going to be checking all your you know fancy leagues to say your teams are doing. You're just going to sit back and watch a day of football. And one of the nice things when you are in multiple leagues and you pretty much own every player in the league, <laughs> you know at least eighty percent, ninety percent, you don't have to stress so much about that. You know, it's like you know because you know if a player does well, well you've got to share, and he's helping one of your teams anyway. So um, diversification is fun because you get to own a lot of different players. And if you just, you know, love certain players and have just those players, then you miss out on some of the fun. So any other thoughts guys about, um, you know, any, any, any quick thoughts about any other things we've learned? And it's too, it's kind of too early to be talking about this. You know, I, I, I said these things about Ronald Jones, for example, I regret it. And maybe he starts, you know, week six and on, and he's like the number one rookie running back this year. We just don't know. It's way too early but I, I just feel that based on what we know, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of regretting that. And yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's yeah, you're getting into the Debbie downers of the season, especially with this rookie running back class, except for Saquon Barkley. It's been horrible. Yeah. I mean, Kerry Johnson was hyped, but then you saw that the lions are still yeah. the lions and that offense does, does weird things. It, it, you can't, it's, it's been horrible. Like only rookie running backs besides Saquon Barkley and expecting them to produce it all. Yeah. has been terrible. And even Saquon Barkley, yeah, even Saquon Barkley, like I said, I mean, he looks phenomenal. He's going to be great in this league, but I just, I just think his upside is, is capped this year because of, of the Giants team. They just, oh man, they, they, and I know it's early, and, and hopefully they'll fix their offensive line issues, and you know he'll have some, you know, some huge games, and I'm sure he'll have a couple of huge games. I, but I, it could have been so much better, right? It could have been so much better. Oh man, I'd like to throw out anyway. real quick All right. while, while we're talking about running backs, and you know, yeah. people people potentially losing running backs you know we're we're going into week three here i i want to mention a name just real quick we're not gonna i don't want to go on and on but i think mark ingram is a great a guy to go out and acquire right now 
don't wait. Like, you know, Will was talking about Aaron Jones, right? Like now's not the time to buy Aaron Jones, right? He's coming back to people's teams. It's too late to buy Aaron Jones. You've got probably one more week to potentially buy Mark Ingram. Alvin Kamara has not looked great running the football this year. And that offense is missing something. And I really, truly believe, I mean, there's a reason Mark Ingram has been a running back one each of the last two seasons. It's one of the best offenses in the NFL, one of the best running games in the NFL. Mark Ingram is going to have some significant value when he gets back on the football field. And I can tell you for a couple shares I have that I tried to trade during the preseason, nobody wanted him. I couldn't hardly give him away. And I wasn't going to give him away. But I guarantee you that there's some teams out there where Mark Ingram can be had for cheap and will pay dividends for you down the stretch as running back depth. The, the Saints need Mark Ingram. I think that's been very evident in their first two games. They're the, between the tackles running game or just the, more of their pounder. You saw it. The Saints have struggled. Uh, and Mark Ingram was probably fist bumping in the background as far as like, you know, his spot on the team. Cause I was, I was very nervous. Sean Payton, like Willie Sneed is another guy like, he got suspended and, and he got punished hard. I mean, he actually turns out he's okay and he's on he's on the Ravens now. But uh, I was very nervous because I bought Mark Ingram in a couple of places where I felt like I had some win now teams. And then with that four game suspension, uh, my world crumbled because nobody wanted him. You know, you can't like you can't sell him for a win now asset. So I was like, okay, let's wait this out. And then you have uh, uh, you know Williams coming in and you have all these other people signing and you have all those hype trains. And what we're seeing is. It turns out they need Mark Ingram to to pair with with Alvin Kamara to be a better offense overall. Yeah, I'm super excited when he comes back. That's a great call, great call. And, and tell the guy you're trying to uh, get him from. He's 28 years old. He's going to turn 29 in December. So he's a dinosaur. You know, he's he's lost it. You don't want him on your team. So I, I like the call. He's on pace for zero targets and zero catches. <laughs> That's right. Okay, guys, we got to move into it. We got to get into our hot bold spicy takes going into week three so you got five levels of hot bold spicy takes you've got banana pepper jalapeno habanero ghost pepper and the almighty carolina reaper last week we all three had really great takes i think we were all close close with no cigar no one got the win no one got the points i called the chiefs going into pittsburgh and beating the steelers by a touchdown or more, and they would go over 53 points. Well, I got most of it right, but they didn't win by quite by a touchdown. Trey last week said CMC and James Conner were going to be top five running backs in full-point PPR leagues. Really close. CMC was a top five running back, but James Conner was only a top ten running back. And then Will, the boldest call of all last week, Fitz Magic, the top overall quarterback in uh in fantasy well he was number five overall um worth it no but yeah and, and he would have been but some people like patrick mahomes and and big ben had really big weeks so guys even though we're all on the board with zero we're all tied at zero we had a good week those were some great takes so i i talked about this on the patreon show i even took my take and i went to bet dsi and i i parlayed that take um taking the Chiefs um, on the money line and then the, uh, the over, and, I, and I, I quadrupled my money. So I'm going to see if I can do that this week. How much you make off that? Oh, I, I didn't bet that much, but I, you know, I quadrupled my money. So I, I think that's like 40 grand. Yeah, I know yeah, you're right. I know. I need, to, I need to put more money on that. Do you think my wife would care if I just, hey, I'm going to put $1,000 on this game. You don't, you don't mind. I want, well, I want last week. If you win, right? Yeah. That's Kids College Fund to start. <laughs> so this week, starting the Kids College Fund, the 
<laughs> Indianapolis Colts, guys. This is my hot, bold, spicy takes of the week. Of the week. The Indianapolis Colts are going to go into the link. They're going to go into Lincoln Financial, where the mighty Philadelphia Eagles, the defending champions, play. They are seven-point road dogs, but the Indianapolis Colts guys are going to win. They're going to go in there, and they're going to beat the mighty Eagles. Book it, guys. They're, they're, se- they're seven-point dogs, um, Colts over the Eagles. What do, you, what do you think? What do you think of that take? Yeah, what's the, what's the, the uh, jalapeno? Jalapeno. So you're only giving me um, like, like two, two points jalapeno on you know, the, the Colts. I mean, have you seen their defense? Come on. I think when I think when Wentz ends up not starting and Alshon isn't in, it could change quite a bit. So I think it's early to give it a, a higher rating at the moment. All right. And I, I the only reason I would I would go higher would be Andrew Luck playing outside is different, but he showed at the Redskins last week that that doesn't always matter and that the NFL can be strange. All right, Trey, what do you think? All right, What's first of all, Carson Wentz is playing this weekend. So for me, this is easily a ghost pepper and probably bordering on Carolina Reaver. The Philadelphia Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFL. They're getting back one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They're coming home. They're, you know, star quarterbacks returning. They're coming off a pretty unexpected loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to be laser focused and I think that the likelihood that a seven-point underdog that can't play defense is going to beat them is is pretty slim. So I would be willing to give this a uh, – I'd be willing to give this a Carolina Reaper. Oh, you're going to up it? Yeah, because I had put down Ghost Oh, no, no, no I'm sorry. Ghost Pepper. Okay. No, four. Carolina Reaper. Yeah, okay. Oof. Okay. It's Carson Wentz's so- first game back. He hasn't played football since he <laughs> tore his knees up. And it's several – like more than one ligament – so I don't know. I just I, I would go to habanero if we're going to meet in the middle. I know we're doing individual takes yeah, now. So it's, it's, it's but, a jalapeno uh, ghost pepper. So I'll, I'll 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 take it. So I just don't like I don't like betting on the 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 wins and losses in the NFL after you really got us last year with the Bills. Nah. I think I'm still holding a grudge. So I'm sorry. That's okay. So so the reason I I'm putting this out there and I really do believe in this by the way. I, I feel I feel pretty good about this one. So Will, you talked about it. It's Wentz's. It's his first game back. Well, yeah, he, he, this is the first time he's going to get hit. I mean, you know by yeah, you know, by, by a, 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 I don't know. It's a good offensive line. It's a terrible defense. You might not get hit. Well, is it a terrible defense? First of all, Frank Reich knows that team. He was with the Eagles last year. So according to Pro Football Focus, the Colts rank as the sixth best defensive unit overall th- for the first two weeks of the season. They have a grade of 77. They're only trailing the Bears, the Rams, the Redskins, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Baltimore Ravens. So – this is a younger Colts team. This defense might just be legit, guys. I talked about Darius Leonard on the Patreon show. He is going to be the defensive rookie of the year. Um, the, the, they've got some playmakers on defense now. Don't, don't sleep on the Indianapolis Colts defense. This is going to be a good game. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Colts are at least are going to make it interesting. It's not going to be a blowout. That, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm betting on the Colts to go in there and win. That's my take. Uh, let's move on. Trey, what, what do you got for us? Well, with Josh Gordon being traded to the New England Patriots, the door has been opened for uh, one of my darlings uh, previously mentioned in the show, Antonio Callaway. Actually had a, a big, big catch last week for a touchdown. Uh, and I think that with uh, the potential that, you know, I, who knows what's happening with Jarvis Landry. But either way, whether he plays the way he doesn't play, I've got on Thursday night football, 
give me something to watch this potentially ugly game and pull for. I've got Antonio Callaway finishing as a top 15 wide receiver this week. Interesting. So you have, is this of Landry plays? If he doesn't play, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Actually, I put this take in there and I didn't even know Landry was a risk to not play. So, all right. After he yelled so much to those other wide receivers about being hurt, he better play. I didn't watch hard knocks, but I know that Jarvis Landry got really angry at the other wide receivers for being like hurt during practices. And a lot of, and I'll tell you, I fully expect, I fully expect it to be a challenging matchup for Antonio Callaway. I think he's going to draw Tremaine Johnson because I think Landry is going to get Buster screen. And, and I think that Tremaine Johnson, who was a kind of an underrated offseason move by the Jets, you know, I think that this this is a very hot take uh, because I think that you can look around the league and you, you can come up with 10 or 12 wide receivers real fast that are, you know, studs, absolute studs. So I think for Antonio Callaway, I think even with 100 yards and a touchdown last week, I bet he wasn't top 15. Yeah. But no, I, 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 I just believe in the talent. I think he's he's going to have a big, big game one of these weeks coming up. I don't hesitate to give it a Carolina Reaper, Trey. I think this is extremely hot, and he's going to have his weeks where he's going to pop up, but I think it's going to be inconsistent. I don't think it's going to be on Thursday Night Football, a short week. Um, as you said, he's got a tough, tough individual matchup in that game. So I, I like Carolina Reaper. I'll, I'll give you Carolina Reaper. I think it's good. I mean, I, I mean, I, part of me wants to go Ghost Pepper because I can see it happening, yes. but but – but it's that's hot. What, what do you want? What do you uh, want I, I was going to do Ghost Pepper just because it's top fifteen, and we do the week. It's early, and Antonio Callaway is talented, and I could see this game like him having. What if he has like two catches for one hundred and fifty yards and two touchdowns? I mean, yeah, calling that shot is incredible. But another sense of it, I just don't. I think top fifteen is, is a mixed bag when it would when you factor like a lot of luck in there and things like that. So I would like to to kind of save Carolina Reaper for things that are a bigger called shot than in Antonio Callaway finishing top 15. I think he might've been close last week and he could be even like even closer this week. And you know, I don't know how that's going to shake out. It's also probably is a little bit into to one of the takes I have to where I think Antonio Callaway could have a better game. Yeah, and I think last week he had like five targets. I mean, I looked it up when I was writing it cause I was like, you know, this is, I was trying to decide, you know, where to, where to place him. And I, I was kind of surprised to see only at five Richard Higgins had like 11 targets. Yeah. And and Callaway only had five. It was the fifty. It was a big touchdown play that really put him over the top. Is is this half point or is this this full point PPR Trey? Is it here you're making the shot? Did you say? No, uh, half point. That, I, half point's fine. Yeah, I think. Yeah, most that's usually what we. So he he, look he at. was number twenty two last week in, in half point uh, PPR. Uh, you know, I have to say that Will is, is kind of swayed me a little bit. Would you? Would you? It would break your heart if I if I went ghost pepper on. This. I like the days when we used to agree upon these. I think I think ghost pepper is a really good one because that one I think is more doable. Uh, when Baker Mayfield comes in in the second half. Yeah. Well, that, well, the reason we're not going to the consensus is because we're trying to limit the show to forty five minutes or less, and we're running out of time. So, Will, oh. why don't you give us? We'll, we'll go ghost pepper. Why don't you give us your hot bold spicy take to 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 bring us? All right, uh, Sony Michelle finishes a top five running back in half point PPR this week. And then Tyrod Taylor gets benched for, for Baker Mayfield this week as well. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So first of all, Sonny Michelle, what do you top have five there? running back in half point PPR? They play the Lions, So it's, I, I, I have top three in there, but I'd rather do like, let's take the downgrade and go top five and have some fun with it. Uh, Cause I think you should start Sonny Michelle this week. Last week, I think you saw some very interesting things from Sonny Michelle in the game. He is not used to playing with a prolific passer in real-time game moments 
And one specific moment really pointed that out to me is when he was running just kind of like a little route in front of the offensive line. Uh, and he kind of, he stopped short and Brady overthrew him, but Brady overthrew him because uh, he, uh, Michelle's not used to the pass being, being led. You know what I mean? Like Georgia's quarterbacks weren't right. like, they're not like all-star. These guys aren't all-star quarterbacks, you know? So he stopped because he's used to somebody trying to just hit him where he is, not where he's going. And that's like, and Brady was like, he was just like, what, what are you doing, man? Come on. Like, and it would have been a perfect pass. And I think that he gets a week to learn that and really trust into, you know, you know what the system is playing in as far as live game action. And so I, I and the Lions are horrible. Not, not to say that. Uh, I know the Georgia quarterbacks are pretty highly recruited, <laughs> but their passing stats say differently. I, I, I was going to say, I was thinking the same thing. I was waiting for the SEC guy to, to, to jump in there because I was like, I, I think he's playing with some pretty good quarterbacks at Georgia. What, what was that kid's From? name? I mean, he's, but a, it's not, he uh, didn't yeah. know. Like he, if he was good, they would have beat, they would have won the national championship. He's horrible. Not horrible, but like uh, uh, horrible in the context of uh, in Georgia, you make players stand still and you can hit them like the side of a barn. First of all, I have to say I like this part. This is an interesting parlay that you have here because two totally different like games, right? Sonny Michelle top five running back, half point PPR, and then Tyra Taylor gets benched. I I, I like that. That's interesting. Um, but you kind of pulled a fast one last week. You said Fitzmagic top quarterback overall, and we immediately gave you a Carolina Reaper. So I think I got to go Banana Pepper here with this one because no, I'm just kidding. No, I think this is Carolina Reaper. Will I, I mean? Well, I went top <laughs> last week when I wanted to go top happen? five, and it cost me so. But the, the second take is I just think Tyra Taylor deserves to be benched at this point. All right. So, but you're going to, you're going to parlay these, right? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in for the parlay. Okay. That's why it's here. All right. Carolina Reaper. I mean, that's, if you get both these things, right. That's, that's unbelievable. Uh, my other one is that the Georgia uh, quarterbacks throw for less than 200 yards this week in college football. I don't care who they're playing, Trey. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a Carolina Reaper. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no question. It would have been Carolina Reaper just with the Sony Michelle take adding on the, the predicted benching of Tyrod is just a cherry on top. I, would, I can't, I mean, I would be so excited. I want to love the Browns so badly, but I don't, and this could do it. So I, I also think they would be, they would have had a better chance to win. If you could game manage what Baker Mayfield does, they'd have a better chance to win the last couple of games. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. I'm telling the guys we've got to wrap it up because we're trying to keep the, 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 keep it tight, keep it tight during the week for our shows. But if you want to listen to more of the fancy Joes, you need to check out, our patreon page patreon.com slash fantasy joes because you can get two shows a week where we go on and on and on and, we, and, and you'd love it so join us support us there if you're not already doing so we're the fancy joes we're at ff joes on twitter um you can look at the show notes to find our individual twitter handles but in the mean you know basically we'll be back next week enjoy week three of the nfl season we are the fantasy joes for fantasy joes Love, 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 love